So those of you who have been around the last couple of weeks will know that we've, been, we've started a series called Wisdom to Live By. Um, and so we're looking at biblical wisdom on a wide variety of topics. I don't know what image springs to your mind when you think of wisdom. I think of, uh, I think of mountaintops in China. Um, I think I think of that moment in Kung Fu Panda. Ah, I see you have found the tree of heavenly wisdom. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought this was just a regular peach tree. <laughs> he, he is my hero, Kung Fu Panda. Um, and, uh, but, and, and so wisdom has this kind of slightly ethereal feel to it. Uh, but uh, a, a musician uh, by the name of Miles Kington uh, said this. He said, knowledge is knowing that toma- a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it on a fruit salad. It's a nice grounded way of thinking about what wisdom actually is. Um, So you might say that Christian wisdom is simply about applying our knowledge of God to everyday life. Um, There's there's a whole section of the Bible called wisdom literature. Um, It includes books like Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, um, Job, um, Song of Songs. And and these are all books that basically ask the question, well, what does it mean? What's the so what when we experience the nitty-gritty of every day, uh, of the big story that we've heard about God? So God has revealed himself in this enormous story of the people of Israel being released from uh, captivity in Egypt. Um, He has shown who he is. He's shown his character. He's shown what he wants of us. Um, And in wisdom literature the waves of God's revelation crash against the reality of lived experience. Um, Wisdom literature is about saying, does does that make sense of how we experience life? Or maybe how does it make sense of how we experience life? Or even very often, what do we do with the fact that very often it doesn't seem to make sense of our lived experience? The the point I'm making there is that wisdom literature assumes the great revelation of God that kind of precedes it in the first big section of the Bible. It is a so what um, that's building on stuff that's gone before. Um, And and very often in wisdom literature, the story that goes before is just kind of assumed. It's not actually that obvious um, in, uh, in the language that's used. The pivot image that, you, that we've been using so far for our series is what Jesus talks about at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. He talks about the idea that those who, put, who, who hear his words and put, it in, put them into practice are like a wise builder who builds his house on the rock versus the foolish builder who doesn't put into practice the words of Jesus who, is like, who, put, who builds his house on sand. And we've been toying with the idea that the difference between those houses isn't in the bricks. It's in nothing that you can see. It's in the foundations that are hidden. That sense that um, that, that the wise life might in a lot of ways look very similar. um, But there's something that it is built on that might be very different. Um, In other words, if if we build our lives on Christian wisdom in, in the sort of outward sense... We're really just uh, building a life that is a house of cards. Whereas if we're building uh, on the foundation that is put in place for us, then we're building a life that is born out of belonging to Christ. Um, 
So wisdom literature, therefore, looks a little bit like the bricks, but it assumes this foundation. And it says it this way at the beginning of the book of Proverbs. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's something of the, a mantra in the book of Proverbs. You could paraphrase that as reverence for God's revelation of himself that we've heard so far in the book of, of, uh, of the Bible is the starting point. It's the foundation for all that follows in the book. And today we're going to look at the area of friendship. Um, and in, on one level you say, well, how should friendship look different? I mean, Anglicans are good at being nice, you know, so that's a good start. We're a long way down the line. Um, but, uh, but I think this is quite a difficult area because I don't know about you, I find that non-Christians can be really nice. Um, I, I remember thinking this at a, a company I used to um, freelance at, and there was this really nice guy, and I was thinking, gosh, how am I supposed to be the nicest guy here if he's being so nice? Oh, dear. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, or it might well just be me. Um, all the more reason to focus on the foundations rather than on the bricks. But one thing that we find in wisdom literature about the idea of friendship um, is that fundamental is this idea that our friendship with God precedes any other friendship. It stands over it. Our friendship with God overflows into our friendships with others. Uh, But also, we must be willing to jettison friendships um, with others that injure our friendship with God. It's a controversial idea which we'll toy with a little bit more. In fact, of course, the whole story of the Bible could be summarized in terms of friendship. Friendship designed, friendship broken, and friendship restored. That's the whole arc of the biblical narrative in some ways. God made us for relationship. He made us for friendship. Our purpose in life is simply to be loved by God. That's what he made us for. Genesis 2, right back at the beginning of the Bible, describes this world full of friendship, friendship with God in which we walk arm in arm in the cool of the day, just hanging out with God, this charming image. Um, friendship with each other um, in which everyone is naked and there's, just, there's none of the fear, the mistrust, um, the judgment uh, that would stop us from being like that uh, today. We could be our most vulnerable with each other, with complete safety. And even friendship with the earth, that sense that the land, um, uh, we work with the land, we bless the land, and the land blesses us with food abundance. The next chapter, though, Genesis 3, talks about how all of that gets broken. This sense of mistrust uh, enters the world, mistrust of God, mistrust of each other. And of the world, danger becomes a thing. We have to cover up. We have to lock down. Um, and yet, God does not give up. So you fast forward a little bit in the story, the beginning of Exod- the book of Exodus. You have this story of God redeeming for himself this slave people. Um, the, in some ways, people that epitomize the brokenness of this world. He adopts them as his own and makes them a vessel for his blessing uh, back into the world, the beginning of a restored relationship uh, with him. He shows himself 
to be a God who is gracious and compassionate uh, amidst the brokenness of our lives. So what does all that mean in terms of the book of Proverbs? Um, Well, we're going to look at a few of the Proverbs uh, now. And as we look, I'd encourage you just to bear in mind some of the people that you might come across in the next week. Some of them might be borderline friends. Some uh, might be very close friends. But let's just bear them in mind. There's There's a range of Hebrew words, which I can't pronounce, but the point is there's a range of Hebrew words that are translated friend in the book of uh, Proverbs, and some of them really are the same as neighbour. They're very sort of those that we just knock along with, right through to to lover, um, sort of life partner. Um, all might get translated friend, and it's difficult to bring out some of the differences there. But just bear in mind that there's this whole range of levels of relationship that are in mind. Um, one of the things to remember with the book of, of Proverbs is that some of it describes. Um, life as we wish it was, the sort of aspirational, hopeful life. Um, and some of it describes life as, as it is. Um, there's a real, almost cynical sometimes, uh, view of life. Um, and, and we need to pay attention to both, uh, that, that sense of straining uh, for the aspirational while recognizing that we are weak, we are easily led, um, and yet somehow amidst it all placing God Uh, first in all of our friendships. So let me read you a few. Now, the reason we didn't have a reading at the beginning is you can't really read a chapter of Proverbs and preach from it. It It's not a book that really works that way. Um, It's a book that really you have to... It's a a very circular book, so you you find yourself picking verses all over the place and getting a flavour of one theme within the book. Now, I'm not going to give you all the references. By all means, come and get them off me um, uh, later but it would just involve too much page flicking. So, friendship in Proverbs. Oh, this is a really good way of thinking of Proverbs. That I th- think of them as memes. Think of it as a whole book of memes. If you don't know what a meme is, that's fine. I can tell you about one afterwards. Um, but that's, that's one way of thinking about how we should read the book of Proverbs. Take a little bit and just ponder it. Take it verse by verse rather than try and nail a whole bunch. Um, so... Here's one area of wisdom about friendships. Friendships are to be selfless. The poor are shunned even by their friends, but the rich have many friends. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. That's from chapter 14. Chapter 21. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed... No, I've just said that one. Proverbs uh, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Friendships are forgiving. Proverbs 17 again. Whoever would foster love conquers over an offense, uh, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Uh, Friendships are to be straightforward and honest. Proverbs 3. Don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Proverbs 26, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. Proverbs 27, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. 
Proverbs 29. Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Friends are to be encouraging. Let me read you a couple of those. Proverbs 12 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Proverbs 27. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. There's a lot about gossip. Proverbs 11. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. A gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Proverbs 16. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 26. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. There are a couple that I've I've included under the uh, banner, relationally intelligent. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and they will hate you. Proverbs 27 says, If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. (laughs) So there's this whole category there that that focus on what it means to be a good friend. But there's also this category in, in Proverbs about what it means for us to recognize the need to guard our own hearts in our friendships, to recognize the effect that others have on us in our own brokenness. Let me read you a few of those. Proverbs 12 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 13. A longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but fools detest turning from evil. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Trouble pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. Proverbs 17. One who has no sense shakes hands in pledge and puts up security for a neighbor. Proverbs 22. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who is easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Proverbs 25. Like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. Proverbs 18 says this, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I think that last one in particular has, captures this sort of tantalizing sense of hope uh, it, it evokes this tension of the aspirational uh, versus the observational about our lives. It, it, it has that sense of um, longing to find the perfect friendship, friendship in which God's grace and love just flow, flow freely, um, where we don't need to guard our hearts, um, uh, where others don't need to guard their hearts against us. Um, but it, it points to this gap, this gap between what we want to be uh, and what we want others to be, 
and actually what we and others are, are, are truly capable of. Um, we want that, that vulnerable nakedness of Genesis 2, but we can't. Uh, we know that, that we're at risk. We're, we're not able to fully trust. But, you know, we know that we're easily led astray. We know uh, that we're praying, prone even to lead others astray. Um, and Proverbs, like much of the wisdom literature, allows that sort of that tension just to sit there, that gap uh, between what we see and what we, what we long for. Um, and it just sits there making us hungry. It's an unfulfilled gap. Um, and it's really not until we arrive in the New Testament that the gap closes, uh, or the gap is filled. And of course it's filled by the person of Christ Let me read to you a little bit from Philippians. This is from chapter 2 of Philippians. Describing uh, humble friendship. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But made himself nothing. Literally he emptied himself. Taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. In Christ, we see modeled to us uh, the friendship that we long for. He comes to us, uh, emptying himself of his rights. Um, He comes to the wrong company. Um, He is known for hanging out with the wrong company. Uh, he's criticized for hanging out with the wrong company. He hangs out with us. Um, but it is them, it is us that are changed. Uh, he is not dragged down. We are lifted up. Um, and of course, he is also our model for our friendship with others. Wise friendships are simply ones that overflow from Christ's friendship with us. Friendships that are full of his grace and selflessness in in dealing with us. Uh, Friendships that are willing to sacrifice uh, for the brokenness of others. Uh, We are transformed by the presence of Christ lifting us up. We need to be a presence of transformation. Um, We are to be the image of Uh, of Christ um, in a world that is longing uh, for friendship. So let's maybe just take a moment to be quiet and think about the week that lies ahead. Uh, Think about all of those that we will be interacting with. What it means for us to be friends that uh, reflect the image of Christ and his friendship with us. Lord, we pray that as we go out into this week, we would be good friends um, and that we would be wise in our friendships. Um, But that all of that would be the overflow 
of knowing your presence in our lives, the overflow of wanting to be an image of you to those around us. Fill us. Take, uh, take us into this week with a sense of who you are, your friendship and your love for us.